Welcome to Virtual Church Media Quantum Kingdom Life. I'm David. This is my lovely wife, Joanna, with the Queen's Wave. She just handed off her crown, crowned the new queen. And so that finishes that chapter, and she is moving on with her podcast, Reveal the Diamond Within. And so that's going live this coming week. The reason I'm dawned with this outfit is I also graduated with my doctorate in theology. Tonight's message in that vein is entitled Theology, Neology, or Meology. <laughs> theology, Theos, is the study of Theos or God, or it's the study of words, or it's the Word of God, study of the Word of God. So I just got the theology degree, a doctorate with a concentration in marketplace ministry. I love the marketplace because we get to place Jesus into the marketplace where he is radically needed. Amen? Amen. So theology, theos, God, ology, study of, or the words of. So theology versus neology. Neology is being on your knees before God to get to know him by his presence. His presence is his face, it's knowing his ways, it's knowing his acts, and it's becoming like him as we're transformed into the image and likeness of his son on our knees where deep calls unto deep, but the noise of his water spouts, all of his waves and billows of his presence wash over us, and we're transformed in him. We live and move and have our very being. Theology is great, but it can be cerebral, mental, intellectual. But neology puts us in his presence where the fragrance of his knowledge is then diffused in every place. So it's great to have a theology degree. But if all you have is a theology degree without neology on your knees knowing him, you become cerebral. The Apostle Paul had a theology degree and he counted it all as dung for the excellency that he received in Christ with his theology degree he was out killing Christians thinking he was doing God a service so theology the study of theos God the words of God the B-I-B-L-E the basic instructions before leaving earth theology is getting to know him his character and his nature from the trusty 66 books of the Bible between two fine Corinthian leather covers. Nothing wrong with theology. In fact, the Word of God is precious to us. But what we want to learn is Him, the knowledge of Him in our theology, to know Him and the power of His resurrection. The Apostle Paul, who tore up his theology degree, that he might know Him, only had mental understanding. Apostle Paul could actually quote and had memorized by age seven the entire Pentateuch or the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He had memorized not a verse or a paragraph or a chapter of one of the books, but by age seven had memorized the first five books of the New Testament. Most Christians can't quote 10 verses. The Apostle Paul 
page seven could quote the entire five books because he had theology. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Yet he was out killing Christians, thinking he was doing God's service. Mm. What's interesting is how could we be that deceived when we memorize this? The Bible says the letter of the law killeth theology alone, but the spirit, neology, bringeth life. Let your words be like apples of gold in settings of silver. Let your words bring life, because when we have neology and his presence rubs off on us, when we're with him on the mountaintop, and we come down after that 40-day fast like Moses. Our face is shown like an angel. The glow comes off. And people know we've been with Jesus. The Pharisees were out wanting to kill the disciples, the apostles. They said, these are untrained and ignorant men. These disciples don't have one of these degrees. Yet, the same works that Jesus does, they do also. We know that they've been with Jesus. What did Jesus say? Can't you just tarry with me one hour? He told Peter, Peter, can you just tarry with me? Stay with me one hour in prayer. And every time Peter went to pray, he fell asleep. Three times. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. One for every time he couldn't complete his neology degree. Neology and theology should marry one another. All word and no spirit causes a person to dry up. All spirit and no word causes a person to blow up and blow off, but a good measure of the word, theology, with a good measure of the spirit, neology, causes a person to grow up in Christ. In him we live and move and have our being. We grow from grace to grace, faith to faith, strength to strength. And the path grows brighter and brighter as he illuminates our way when we spend time in his presence. Theology, good, but without neology, knowledge puffeth up, but love buildeth up. Amen? Amen. So tonight's message, theology, neology, or me-ology. <laughs> Some people have a doctorate in neology. <laughs> me, myself, and I. You know, I was joking with people I had when I was young. I wasn't born again. I still thought God's last name was something else prior to that time. Finally realized when he appeared to me in a prison cell in 1990 that he was the God of the universe and changed my life. Never looked back 32 years ago. And, but prior to that, I was getting a doctorate in meology, me, myself, and I. And I had mirrors everywhere in the house. It was difficult to get out of the house because I was looking at myself. <laughs> Lucifer had nothing on me at the time, son of the morning. And so the joke was, well, what are you doing? I'm just hanging out at the house with three of my best friends, me, myself, and I. I get a 
getting a doctorate in me-ology. <laughs> People on social media with the selfies and the filters <laughs> and the Instagram posts got a meology degree. <laughs> I'll guarantee you this, when you get a degree in neology, regardless of what you get on a piece of paper here, we honor you know education. I'm not diminishing it. I just got dressed this way on purpose tonight because I just graduated with my doctorate in theology. And we honor those that have gone before us and we stand on their shoulders. But apart from his presence, it's dry. PhD piled higher and drier. Right? But with a knee HD, we get into his presence and we go low and become humble. So, theology, knowledge puffs up but love built up. Neology, we go low and we come out with his humility and his presence. We become Jesus with skin on. And our love level is at a high enough level to where it's above somebody's issue level and we can reach down and bend over and stoop in kindness and lift them up. Meology needs to change to heology. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit instead of me, myself, and I. So I want to talk to you tonight about God's presence because God's presence comes from neology. And when you're on your knees before the Lord, you want to know what happens. He gives you a revelation of himself. And it drives you to the word to find out where he said it, why he said it, and he confirms his word with signs and wonders. So God never speaks outside the guidelines of his word. He framed the world with his words. And if you say that he's speaking and it's something outside of the framework of his character, of his word, I have to question that. We'll test it by fruit. But tonight I want to talk to you about God's presence because there's a lot of things that separate people. There's a lot of things that separate. We have different denominations. We have different doctrines. We have, of course, important biblical doctrines. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, the shed blood of Jesus, that Jesus is God in the flesh. The first Corinthians 15 important doctrinal mandates for salvation and walking with him. But then there's non-essentials. It was... Uh, Rupertus Mendelius, I think, in the 1600s during the Thirty Years' War said this. He said, in the essentials of the faith, the death, the burial, the resurrection, Jesus is God in the flesh, that we need him for our salvation. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Those essentials of the faith that we must have unity. In the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, modes of water baptism, tongues, no tongues, whether or not Adam had a belly button being the first man. You know, those non-essentials. Liberty. We can agree to disagree agreeably. But in all things, charity, love. For if we have not love, we're like a clanging cymbal and a resounding brass, even though we have the degree. But we're many degrees apart from his character and his nature. Just quoting the word, for the letter of the law killeth that the Spirit bringeth life. God's presence distinguishes us from all the other people on the face of the earth. Not our doctrines alone. You can have right doctrine and a wrong spirit. There was a woman, she was a three-day-old Christian, and she got up and she was filled with God's love. The Lord had marvelously saved her and delivered her. 
got her set free from drugs and she was ecstatic and she was on fire for God and she got up to give a testimony. This three-day-old baby Christian and she misquoted a verse in her attempt to give God glory because she didn't have great theology at that moment, but she had great theology. She was on her knees before him. And there was a theologian in the audience that day and as people were seeing the love of Jesus in her life and the transformed life. They were rejoicing with her even though she had butchered the verse. Mm -hmm. And the man with the doctorate degree, he got up and he corrected her before the congregation for misquoting a verse. Oh. And it was like the record player was playing this beautiful music and because he had theology and he had good doctrine, but he didn't have neology, a right heart and a right spirit. And he wounded that woman and he ended with the words saying, the next time you get up, young lady, I would encourage you to study your scripture so you have good theology so that you don't harm people with your lack of understanding of God's word. Right doctrine, wrong spirit. It was three years before that woman would get up and speak again publicly in church with his theology, but apart from God's character and his presence and his love, he did damage with the word instead of lifting her up or pulling her aside or discipling her in that moment. I would say that he had theology, he lacked neology, but he was strong on me. Tonight as we study theology, God's word, we're also going to end with neology. We're going to spend time in prayer to get to know him and the power of his resurrection. So when people see us and they run into us, they won't know us as theologians. They'll know us as neologians that know he, theologian, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we don't just come off as me-elogians with me, myself, and I. Moses, who knew God's presence, who came off the mountain after a 40-day fast and his face shone like with an angel, he said this in Exodus 33, 14 through 18. Exodus chapter 33, verses 14 through 18. Reading from the original Hebrew and the original language, we won't be doing. Because nobody would understand it, except a few. So we're going to read from the English. How about that? We need to meet people where they're at and speak the language that they understand and not speak about propitiation and soteriology and eschatology and propitiation. We need to meet people where they're at and speak the language. The Apostle Paul said, I became all things unto all people that I might win the more. Before that, he was correcting everybody. After that, he said, I declared to know nothing amongst them except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Wisdom of men's words only, but in the power of God. Exodus 33.10 When all the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship each at the entrance of his tent. So the presence of God is a manifest, tangible presence when they would physically see that cloud it would cause them to arise and they would recognize God was in the house when I was in prison in Leavenworth Penitentiary in 1990 
when Jesus appeared to me, the cloud of his presence appeared. And I reached my hands into the cloud. It was tangible. And at first I tested the spirit. I said, do you know Jesus? As a young believer. And it sparked gold and platinum began to fill and flood the floor. My, my co-defendant and my cellmate, the co-defendant, they jumped up on their, their bunks like they were going to hide in an eight by sticking cell from the cloud of his presence. And he, not even the cockroaches came in in that moment. 200 of those in there and they were against the walls, I guess. But God showed up in that prison cell. And my point is this. I was like a young child. I went from cocaine dealer, jet airplane thief, and all the things go along with that born again and then Jesus shows up in the cell and then the glory cloud shows up the cloud of his presence I've had the privilege of seeing and experiencing the cloud of his presence and once you encounter him on your personal road to Damascus and you have played in the cloud of his presence like a father plays with his child it changes you it moves you from theology to neology and as much as my mind and brain I've kind of got a quad core processor in my mind I can think on different tracks have scripture memory from Genesis to Revelation. I've never tried to memorize one verse. Actually, I tried one for three months. I couldn't get it. But the Holy <laughs> Spirit has given me recall. And when I speak, it's like I see uh, a screen come down, almost like a teleprompter, and I can read verses. I just had that kind of scripture memory. The Lord will literally highlight it. It's like reading off a teleprompter because of the gift of God that's within me. Now, if I gave glory to that gift, or if I gave glory to my scripture memory, I would miss the presence of God working from him. Instead, I'd be like, hey, Dad, watch this, the gift you gave me. Let me show you what I can do with it. Look how the people were moved. Glory be to me, myself, and I. I would no longer be a neologian or a theologian. I would be a meologian, and I would never introduce anybody to see the heologian, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then I would be one that on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out many devils in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And he would say, away from me, doer of iniquity. I never knew you. We never had intimacy. There was never neology where you sought me on your face. You only sought me in crisis. You only sought me for the anointing so you could go preach. But we had no real relationship. You were transactional with me not relational. Are you relational with God or are you transactional? Do you only seek him because you need something like a genie in the bottle or a cosmic bellhop? Or do you just only seek him in the word to find out how to do your next teaching in a service so you can look like you have a tassel on your hat and you can look all dignified? Or are you willing to get close enough to the sheep as a shepherd to risk actually smelling like them that have a need? So, Moses said this. Moses, who brought the Israelites out of Egypt with a staff and the presence of God against an entire army and a king or a pharaoh, was able to do it. Not because he had a theology degree, but he had a neology degree in the wilderness for 40 years. So when all the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, the people would rise and worship each at the entrance of his tents, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When you have neology, you'll hear his voice. I've got a book called Hearing God 25 Different Ways. I would encourage you to get that book, Hearing God 25 Different Ways by David Arabedian. Soon it will be Dr. David Arabedian. <laughs> but Dr. David Arabedian, not the theologian, hopefully it comes off as the neologian who knows him. And as you read the book, you'll become a neologian as well. 
Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. And Moses said to the Lord, See, thou dost not say to me, Bring up this people. Thou thyself hast not let me know how they will send me moreover. Basically, Moses is saying this, King James Version, a little difficult to, to read. Um, he's saying, Moreover, thou hast said, I have known you by name, and you shall also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found favor in your sight, Moses speaking to God, God, let me know your ways. That's the prayer. Lord, let me know your ways. The ways of God are not just how he empowers you to do it, but the purposes on why he's doing it. Psalms 103.7 says that God made his ways known unto his servant Moses. His acts were known unto the children of Israel. The miracles, the signs, the wonders, the manna from the sky, the water from the rock. Wonderful, wonderful acts of God. They came when Moses used his staff, when God spoke to him to use it. And Moses operated in the ways of God that released the acts of God. If you know God's ways, the acts of God will flow through you, the people around you. Peter's shadow, God knew his... Peter, Peter knew God's ways after he denied Christ three times. See, you can be on this path where you make mistakes on the journey and lean back into God. And eventually you'll get to know his ways and his acts will flow through you. But you can know his acts. Sometimes you can even know a few of his ways and his character hasn't yet become part of you. But we're all on the journey together. We're growing and glowing, shouting and shining. So consider too that this nation is thy people. And he says, thy ways that I might know you, that I might find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is thy people. And he said, my presence will go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. So Moses wanted to know his ways. And Moses wanted God's presence through neology. And Moses responded back after God had answered and said, My presence will go with you, for you found favor in my sight. Solomon said, I don't want money. I want wisdom to govern your people. What did God do? Because he asked for wisdom to govern God's people. God says, I'm going to make you the richest person on the planet. Because I know I can trust you with money. Because money's an amplifier. Because whatever you are before you get money, the music just plays louder. Mother Teresa with money, a thousand orphanages will be planted to get girls off the street and to teach them educational tools so that they can raise up, be mothers, wives, nuns, go out and do the work of God. Hugh Hefner also had money and brought women into a thousand pornography studios into bondage. So money's an amplifier. If he can trust you with a little bit, he can trust you with a lot. If he can't trust you with a little bit, he has to withhold a lot. God doesn't show partiality. Whoever is with his heart, he'll give you everything you need for your assignment in the earth. And he said, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence, God, does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I, Moses, have found favor in your sight? I am thy people. Is it not by you going with us so that we and, I'm, and, and your people may be distinguished 
from all other people who are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, I also will do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses said, I pray thee now, show me thy glory. Exodus 33, 10 through 18. God's presence results in seven things. Seven things. Number one, God's favor comes upon you. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with man, Luke 2.52. In the Old Testament, Psalms 5.12 says, The Lord has surrounded me with the shield of favor. When God's favor is upon you, things will happen for you that make no sense whatsoever. You'll walk into a situation, you'll be there just at the right time, angels will be at work, you'll end up getting the best deal or you'll get a promotion or you'll know how to get in the stock market and out of the stock market, buy a piece of land and sell a piece of land, a house, you'll know how to flip, you'll know just the time and you'll have the anointing of the sons of Issachar to know the times and the seasons of what you ought to do. It will make no sense in the natural. People say, why does that person fall down in a white suit, in mud, come up without a spot and a, a red roses in their pocket? I just don't understand it. It's because of the favor of God. Favor will take you places. A day of favor is better than a thousand days of labor. Do you know you'll probably do a thousand days of labor before you get a day of favor sometimes? But when favor will open doors and put you on platforms that fraternities and all these other things can't do for you. They might look like they're doing it for you, but there's a pay-to-play type atmosphere. You have to compromise your, your values or what you believe. You have to believe a certain way or do a certain thing or pay a certain price. But when you're on your knees before God with neology, he'll open a door in an instant. He'll take you from the bottom to the top and put you on a platform on that mountaintop and then he might bring you down and hide you again and keep you hidden. But favor will do things for you that nothing else can get done. A day of favor, better than a thousand days of labor. Favor will get you to a place, but only character will keep you there. Say that again. Favor will position you and promote you, but only character will keep you there. Joseph was in the prison house for 17 to 30 was the age that he was in Potiphar's house. He was in a pit, went to Potiphar's house. From Potiphar's house, he wouldn't compromise. He ended up in the prison house. And then from the prison house after age 17 to 30, he went to the palace and God promoted him as prime minister under Pharaoh. So he went from the pasture to the pit, from the pit to the prison. I exactly from the pasture to the pit, from the pit to Potiphar's house, from Potiphar's house when he wouldn't compromise with Potiphar's wife, he went to the prison house on a false rape charge, and then he languished in prison, but God gave him favor in the prison house. He even had keys in the prison house. When I was in prison, I had keys the last three years I was there. I had my own office at Fort Leavenworth. I had keys to 26 vehicles. I had 20 civilians that had to come to me through the window for keys. I had 36 inmates. I worked in the community five days a week from 7 a.m. till 3 p.m. I was out of prison the last three years and God used it as a tool to acclimate me back into society. I was like Joseph in the prison house. But if I'd misused my liberty as an occasion for the flesh, my character would not have allowed me to stay in that position. So a day of favor will promote you, but only character will keep you. I saw a thousand fall by my side and 10,000 by my right hand. I saw people get knocked off and they got into trouble. They got new cases. They got locked up, shipped back. They got put in the solitary housing unit. They got put into the penitentiary for misusing their liberty as an occasion for the flesh, bringing in drugs or meeting girls or this or that. But when you use 
the day of favor God has given you to further his kingdom, he'll keep you there and he'll continue to elevate and promote you. And it's got to be in theology by his presence. So number one, God's favor is a result of being in God's presence. Number two, God knows your name. You have friendship with him. If I walk in and I know your name, it changes things. When I walk into a location and I don't know anybody and the owner of the restaurant or the pastor of the church or the owner of the business, the CEO spots me, nobody knows me but him, and he calls me my name and I go from the bottom to the top, everybody looks. Who is he? We don't know, but the CEO knows him by name. When God, who's above everyone, knows you by name, he can promote you in an instant. He can give people dreams or visions about you. He can tell them in advance. They'll spot you on a YouTube video or a TV broadcast. And when you walk in, they'll say, I know you. I saw you on this program or I saw you on YouTube or I visited or read your book. When God highlights you to them, it's by divine appointment. We currently have, wherever we go, people are like, you look familiar. You were on this program or this, so you're that out of freeze time guy, you know, that kind of thing. And so would you pray for me? And then God has us pray because he uses that platform to bring position so we can release his presence and they can get a miracle. And we get to go home and get on our knees and thank him for what he's done. So number one, God's presence results in seven primary benefits. Number one, God's favor, verse 12, Exodus 33, 12. Number two, God knows your name, friendship with God, also verse 12. And then you also know his ways, verse 13, intimate knowledge of God, because if you know his ways, his acts will flow through you. And then number four, God then reveals more of his ways to you. So when you have intimacy with God, intimacy, into me you see. Can I ask something about that? Yes. So... <clears throat> Many of you are probably familiar with the scripture Jeremiah 29, 11 and 12, but there's one part of that scripture that really uh, has struck a chord for me in my walk with the Lord. And it's, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. And this is the key part, you guys. And when you seek me, and you seek me with all your heart, then I will be found by you, says the Lord. And so, especially this current season that we're living in right now, it is crazy in this world, right? There's crazy things happening, corruption, and if we are not on our knees, seeking God with all our heart, then we're gonna be in big trouble. And especially for such a time as this, um, is when we need to be seeking Him with all our heart. So what does that look like exactly? Well, one of those things is, what are you currently struggling with? Is it being too busy, 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 busy? David and I, we, we battle that, you know, because we are busy, but we really have to stop and get on our knees and, okay, Lord, we're really busy, but what do we need to be busy with? Be still and know that I'm God. Psalms 46. Yeah. yeah. Very important. Exactly. And I was just thinking the other day on um, some of the ex experiences that I've had with the Lord. 
you know, after I got saved and then I got baptized with water, and then six months after that, so a year after I initially gave my life to Christ, I uh, got filled with the Holy Spirit. And um, I had prayed. I said, Lord, I have been studying your word in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13 and 14, and about spiritual gifts. And I want some spiritual gifts, so I asked for the spiritual gifts. But I asked for your presence. And so I was seeking God with my heart, not just the spiritual gifts, but I was seeking it because I really wanted to feel his presence because I never really felt his presence before. You know, what does it mean? I can know God, but to experience him. And that's part of that neology. And then that night was when I had my first dream of being in heaven. And I was dancing with all these angels. I mean, there would be all kinds of angels, majestic angels, musical angels, dancing angels, singing angels. And I had the most incredible joy that I've never experienced on this earth. And especially in this dark time right now, we've got to see his face, to have that touch from him so that we don't get caught up with fear or caught up in the fray of the, of the war, the enemy. And so, for the emotional, for the emotional, you know, I know a lot of people are struggling with depression right now, and you know they're on pharmaceutical drugs, and um, they're they're being tormented in their mind. And Jesus came so that we can be set free from that, so that we can be set free from that. And so I think this is a very key message that that Dave is talking about right now is that neology. And so my, my question, my challenge question to you guys is how many, how much time, quality time, are you spending seeking God? Because it can be easy to go through the entire day, don't ask me how I done that, um, and, and really and not do that. And then what happens is our discernment gets off, you know, then, then we're, we have trouble we're easily um, offended, right? Or easily offended, or we get all this warfare, um, and then we're then we're crying out to God. But the Lord wants us to get to that place where we're there first, before we have to cry out for help. And I'm just speaking to somebody right now. Amen. Be still and know that He is God. He will be exalted in all the earth. He will be extolled in the heavens. Psalms forty-six ten. To be still, it's interesting, is to literally stop and drop all your human weaponry and trust God to speak and to show up with his weaponry. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the unseen realm of darkness. When we get to the end of ourselves, God begins. And sometimes we have to be still and stop listening to all the other voices of the world that are condemning or vying for our attention that we can hear the one voice that makes the difference because his voice, his instruction brings us through every line of the enemy's defense and causes us to walk on water or go through a Red Sea or go to sleep in a lion's den. His presence resulted in seven primary benefits. By the way, very, very good. Thank you. Thank you. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14 are on the spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, brethren, I would not have you ignorant concerning spiritual 
gifts, and then he goes on for the next three chapters and outlines them. If God took three chapters on something related to spiritual gifts, and he said he would not have us to be ignorant, I think we should study them. That should be a place where we park for a while. So I encourage you to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14 on spiritual gifts so we are not lacking information in that area, but we're, we're in relationship with him on that matter, and then the gifts will begin to chime off and signs and wonders will happen. So number four, God reveals his ways to us, verse 13. Number five, we experience rest for our souls. Have you ever gone into your prayer closet all tight, scared, frustrated, angry, and once you sense his presence, it might be instantly, it might be five minutes, 10, 15, it might take an hour, an hour and a half, but all of a sudden you hit that overdrive and God's presence come in, that thin veil of silence comes in and changes the atmosphere. We might go in like a weak kitten, but we come out like a bold lion, like we're king of the jungle suddenly. As we come out, we're in control and we have God's authority and God's rest with us. So we experience God's rest for our soul, verse 14. Number, number five, we experience rest for our souls, verse 14, Exodus 33, 12 through 18. Number six, God's presence distinguishes us from all the other people of the face of the earth. They're different. I remember I had a, a dream. I was a year old Christian. I was in Littleton, Colorado at a medium facility. There was at FCI Inglewood. And uh, I was on this uh, top bunk and I had a dream and it was a black and white dream. Normally I have dreams in vivid color. And this dream was black and white. And I heard Lucifer talking with Jesus in the heavens. And Lucifer was talking about me. And he said these words, I've been watching him. And I was able to be given ear on this conversation of what was taking place. And God gave me this experience to prepare me because I was about to go through some stuff. And he said, I've been watching him. And Jesus says, I know you have. He says, he's different from the others. Jesus said, I know he is. Lucifer said, I've been working on him. Jesus said, I know you have. Lucifer said, I'm going to start working on him harder. Jesus says, I know you will. And it ended. And I was like, what? Jesus, you're supposed to defend me. You're supposed to rebuke the devil. Peter, I prayed for you. Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith would fail not. And after you're converted, strengthen your brother. What happened with Peter? He denied Christ three times, cut off a centurion's ear. He walked on water and sank. He rebuked the Lord. Jesus said, rebuke you. I have to rebuke Satan out of you, Peter. But who's preaching the gospel on the day of Pentecost? Impetuous Peter, who was willing to get out of the boat, the other 11 weren't. So sometimes we look at people that are impetuous and God is refining them in their faith. Satan may sift them like wheat, but then they're converted and they're become the ones that preach the gospel on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 get saved because they're trusted. And then at the time of their death, they say, I'm not worthy to die like my Lord is. Church history records in some places that Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't feel like he was worthy to be crucified right side up like his Savior. So he ended right. It's not how you start, it's how you finish and how you run the race. My point of this is, 
God's presence distinguishes us. And as a one-year-old Christian, I was leaning into God. I'd had that encounter with God in Leavenworth several months earlier. And God wanted to do something in me so he could do something through me. God always does it to you before he does it through you. You think that you're going through it because you've done something wrong. No, you're going through it because you've done something right. You've been chosen to be persecuted for his namesake. He's refining you like gold in the fire. He's transforming you from grace to grace and faith to faith. He's raising you up. He's taking you from dunamis power to energia power that he might give you kratos power. He's giving you that supernatural dynamite power. But then you're going to be tested after signs and wonders begin to start. And you're going to go through some stuff. The Apostle Paul said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ, beaten with rods, day and a night in the deep. He went through some serious stuff, but when he came out on the other side, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Are you willing to go through the stuff? If we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. Okay, number six. God's presence distinguishes us from all the other people on the face of the earth. Verse 16, Exodus 33, 16. So when God's presence comes upon you, his presence will distinguish, it will separate between you, and even the devil will know he's different, she's different from the others. You think you've done something wrong because people rejected you at work. It may be because your presence, the anointing of the Holy Spirit in you, annoys the demons in them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get passed over for promotion, but trust me, when we're faithful with little, God will give us authority over much, and when God promotes you, no one can stop him. When you try to promote yourself, you have to keep yourself there. But when you wait for God to promote you, and you come from the prison house to the palace as prime minister, and your brothers have to bow down to you, but you don't use your position to lord over them. You use your position to save two nations with the authority God's given you. From the prison house to the palace as prime minister, and you save two nations. Can God trust you? It comes from neology and his presence, not just theology. Number seven. God's glory appears and manifests in and through your life. Verse 18, Peter's shadow heals the sick and casts out devils. When you walk into the room, do people feel a change in the atmosphere? Are you a thermometer where you just take the temperature when somebody walks in? Or are you a thermostat that changes the atmosphere when you walk in? It's spiritually cold in here. That's okay. Jesus and I are here. We're going to turn up the heat. Yeah, I want to add something to that. You know, that's a big place where the devil tries to get us is trying to make us believe and come into agreement. Oh, you know, little me, I'm trying to be humble. You know, we don't walk in with that authority because we don't realize, we forget, we don't realize that authority that we have with Christ who is in us. We are that temple. So the fire of God in the Old Testament would have the flame inside the temple. So it shone bright. So each and every one of you, every one of us, we have that flame inside. So when we walk into that room, those devils in those rooms should be going, ah, whoa, she's in the room, God's in the house, or he's in the room, God's in the house. Because we're carriers of God. Right. And so I want to encourage you guys tonight, you know, if you've been feeling in that place where when you walk in a room, you, you've forgotten, you carry that presence of God. God is in you. You are the temple of the living God, of the living fire. Then we're going to pray for you tonight because the Lord wants you to walk into that room and then have the atmosphere change. We're designed to shine like that. You know, part of the podcast that I'm doing is called Reveal the Diamond Within. And each of us is a diamond on the inside. And the facets have been formed and forged in the fire. And so now it's time to let that brilliance come out. 
We've been forged in the fire, you know, through struggle, trials, and tribulation, or sickness, or whatever, and through those, God strengthened us. But now it's time to take authority when we walk in that room to be in this, to reveal and show that fire within. Amen. In Exodus 34, 27, we're going to close out. Exodus 34, 27, Moses came off the mountain with the two tablets of testimony, the Ten Commandments. And it says in verse 29 that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because of his speaking with God. When you're in God's presence, there's a tangible transfer of the atmosphere of heaven that comes and it saturates you. It's an anointing, but it's more than that. It's the presence of God. And when Moses came down off the mountain, he didn't know that he glowed. Have you ever had one of those watches back in the day that had the little hands that you would put it in the light or put it under a, a light bulb during the day and then it would glow at night on the hands so you could read your watch at night when nobody else could and they came out with the LEDs with a little light and those things became less, less important. But if you didn't put the watch in the sunlight and it soaked that up, it would not illuminate at night. And that's how we are. If we don't remain in his presence on a daily basis, we begin to fade. And Moses knew that he faded. And so it's interesting. It says, and Moses wist not, this is the King James Version, wist not or knew not that the skin of his face shone with the glory of God. Samson, on the other hand, is at the opposite extreme. It's really interesting. The only two times the words in the King James, wist not or knew not, are in relation to the glory of God are in these two places. One is Moses, who's completely caught up in God, and he's so caught up in God, he doesn't even know he's shining with God's glory because he's beginning to fade, and he's thinking about the greater one. He wants to get back up in the presence of God. Instead, God sends him down to the people. Samson, on the other hand, Delilah, the hairdresser, <laughs> Oh, Delilah said, the Philistines be upon you, Samson. And he woke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times as before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. Saddest verse in the Bible, Judges 16, 20 to me. Because you might say, well, Jesus on the cross is the saddest verse. Well, it can be, but it's a dark Friday, but it became a great resurrection. Nobody lays, takes my life from me, Jesus says, I willingly lay it down. I willingly pick it up again. So you could say the crucifixion is the greatest verse, right? So Moses didn't know that he was shining with the glory of God because he was still thinking about the one. Samson had his head so deep in the lap of Delilah, the hairdresser, symbolic of the world and meology, me, myself, and I, my own pleasures, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, the gold, the glory of the girls, the power, the position, the prominence, that he wist not that God had left him. Where are you at? Are you so caught up in the presence of God you don't even know you're shining? Are you so caught up in the lap of the world that you don't even know you've lost his presence? I want to end with this. 1 Corinthians, or 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 14. Now the way to the gold that came to Solomon in one year was 603 score and six talents. 666 talents of gold. Kind of like a six, six, six spirit of mammon. Maybe, I don't know. I don't want to get into the biblical numerology on that. But besides that, he had the merchantsmen and traffic, blah, 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 blah. And he took 
And Solomon made 200 targets of beaten gold, 600 shekels of gold went into one target, and he made 300 shields of beaten gold, three pounds of gold went into one shield, and the king put them in his house of the forest of Lebanon. First Kings chapter 10, verses 14, King James Version. So Solomon had these 300 shields. They weighed three pounds of gold each. I don't know if you know, 16 ounces and a pound, maybe 18 ounces and a, and a gold pound. Anyway, long story short is this, 16 ounces times three is 48 ounces. Gold's a couple of thousand an ounce right now, which makes it 16, 1800, depends on when you're watching this video. Could be a long way off, it could be worth nothing, could be worth 10,000 an ounce, but my point is this, it's a lot of gold. So 48,000, 48 ounces times a thousand is 48, $50,000 shield to 2,000, that's $100,000 shield. And you got 300 of those. So 10 of them is a million. 100 of them is 10 million. 300 of them is $30 million. Let's just call it 25, 30 million in gold. And when Solomon would go up to the house to pray, these 300 soldiers would carry the gold shields. That's an impressive presentation. As Solomon's going into the house of God to pray, to seek the Lord, and it shows the opulence that is added unto him because he asked the Lord for wisdom and not money. God gave him both. But here's what happens. 1 Kings 14, 24, and there was also sodomites in the land and they did according to all the abominations of the nations which the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. And it came to pass in the fifth year of Rehoboam that Shishak king of Egypt came against him. And he took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He even took away all and he took away the shields of gold which Solomon had made. So sodomites are homosexuals. You may not like this, but God's not really a fan here. In fact, it can cause you to lose your gold. And the gold shields that Solomon made to go into the presence of God, to honor God, somebody else was going somewhere else other than the presence of God, and they lost their gold shields. And King Rehoboam made in their stead brazen shields. So instead of saying, man, I lost my shields, I think I'm going to go seek God. What did I do wrong? Let me get back into theology and find out where I made my mistake and seek the Lord for theology and neology. He remained with meology. And he decided he would make brass shields that look like gold. He was a fraud. Instead of the presence of God coming into the house, the tangible cloud of God's presence, it was replaced maybe with fog machines, skinny jeans, and flat screens. <laughs> Nothing wrong in and of themselves, but when they're in place of the presence of God. Trust me, what I encountered in the prison cell, I've rarely encountered in a church. Because we are the house of God. But I have encountered the presence of God in churches like that as well. God can show up anywhere when we seek him and he's no respecter of persons what he does for one he'll do for another if he did it for you I want it for me and if he did it for me I want it for you because we will seek him and we will find him when we search for him with all of our heart God delivers the desperate and he delivers us from our enemies but he doesn't deliver us from our buddies 
how bad do you want to be delivered? Is that thing your enemy or is it still your buddy? <laughs> when you're ready, he's ready. And it was so. And King Rehoboam made in the, their stead shields and committed them unto the hands of the chief of the guard, which kept the door of the king's house. And it was so that when the king went into the house of the Lord, that the guard bare them and brought them back into the guard chamber. Wow. I bet they looked good in the sun. I bet they looked just like gold, didn't they? From a distance. Counterfeit. They were counterfeit. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to admit that he'd lost the divinity the relationship, the gold, gold symbolic of divinity. And he didn't want to admit that the relationship with neology had been replaced with the sodomite relationship and everything that goes with it. And now he has to replace that which was taken from him out of disobedience. Instead of repenting and being restored like David said against you and you alone have I sinned, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He says, let me replace what was stolen from me through my actions with the counterfeits. I'm not willing to pay the price for the authentic. And in the sun, they shine. And there's a lot of ministries today that had the anointing. I meet them in TV ministry. Sat under their ministries. Was greatly blessed. And now I'm with them. They've got brass shields. I don't ever want to be that person still honor them because you never know when that presence might come back on them, that anointing might come back on them. And I don't know what they've been through in ministry to have been tripped up, so I can't judge. Don't judge. Pray for restoration. Because Samson had his hair cut off, but he began to seek the Lord again. And his hair began to grow again. His gold shields began to reappear. And he destroyed more in his death than he did during his life. We want to make sure we retain the relationship of neology and the presence of God with that divine relationship with the distinguishing presence. And we haven't replaced them with pulpit tricks and theatrics and great sermons and PowerPoint programs and brass shields. Theology is good. Praise God. Doctorate in theology. But I want to be a double doctorate in neology in his presence. And I want to introduce people to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that they might know him and the power of his resurrection. Eology. And the days of neology, me, myself, and I have been exchanged for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Do you want to lead us in prayer? Okay, you guys ready for prayer? Yes. Okay. Let's do it. So I want you to repeat up. Well, let me just and start. for this, I take off my hat. Yeah. <laughs> so Heavenly Father, we just all come before you today, before the throne room of heaven. And Lord, we come down on our knees. And we just decide today to seek you with our heart. Like never before, Lord. We ask for your tangible presence to shine within us, Lord God. That you would ignite the flame in those of us who feel cold. That you would ignite your fire within our soul. 
where we've been beat down and worn down by the enemy, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would ignite our spirit with your presence and with your love, Lord God. As we are in this season, Lord God, a time where we're in a battle, we are in a war. And so, Lord, you are our defender. But we have to be that one that carries that fire and releases that fire into the earth. We are the hands and feet and the mouthpiece of you, Lord Jesus. So now I ask, Father, that you would forgive us where we have not spoken up when we need to say something. I ask that you forgive us, Lord God, where we've been silent and complicit and we came into agreement with the enemy. We ask, Lord God, for your mercy. You are a merciful God, and we just thank you. Your mercies are fresh every morning. And I pray for those who are battling depression right now and battling a battle in their mind. And Lord, we cover their mind in the blood of Jesus right now. And we send your fire and your presence to cover them and touch them right now. That they would be delivered of pharmaceuticals, Lord God. Of antidepressants, Lord God. And any other crutch that the enemy has tried to bring From their the way. What? From the root. From the root. From we speak healing to the root of the soul wound. In the name of From Jesus. Father, we speak healing to the root of the trauma, the initial trauma. And I ask now, Lord, for your presence to come upon every person watching, listening. We command time to freeze right now in the name of Jesus, in that soul wound trauma that you had. And we command the timeline to freeze right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we ask that you would encounter them in this moment in their mind right now, in that moment where the, the, it took place, I say you step in, Lord Jesus, and you absorb it for them, and you show them that you are right there absorbing the fall, absorbing the pain, absorbing the trauma, absorbing the betrayal, the abandonment, the rejection, bullying, whatever it is, Lord God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for opening their mind's eye to see you now in that moment. And that they will never see it the same way, Lord, from this point forward. We pray, Father, right now. I thank you for healing and, and delivering them of the wound and healing their heart. I pray right now, Lord, for every broken heart, every grieving heart, every angry heart, every unforgiving heart, every jealous heart, every envious heart, every heart of poverty, Lord, or sadness, or grief, Lord. You, your word says you bind up the brokenhearted. So now I ask that you bind up every wound and every broken heart right now with the power of your word. Through the fire of your Holy Spirit. To bring healing and peace and love and forgiveness and compassion. And break every stronghold, Lord, and break every chain. Break every lie. We thank you, Jesus, that you endured. The cat of nine tails struck against your body, ripping your flesh out. For us, he did it just for you. For you. Because he loves you. Jesus loves you so much. And he's so sorry for everything that happened. He's sorry for that moment that changed your life. But today is a day where your life can be changed again. It can be changed and you can be born again by the blood of Jesus.
If you need to re-invite Jesus into your heart tonight, if your heart's grown cold, just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Change me. Cleanse me. Forgive me. Make my heart on fire for you. I thank you for dying for me. No matter what I've done or haven't done or failed to do, thank you for dying for my mistakes so that I can start fresh. I ask for a fresh new start in my life today. Fill me with the baptism of your Holy Spirit. I open my heart to you, Jesus, and I invite you to heal me and deliver me. In your name, I pray. So, Father, now I pray that every stronghold is broken. I pray that every crooked path is made straight in the families, in the children, in the grandchildren, in friends and spouses, Lord God. And we send forth your angels, Lord God, according to your word in Psalm 91, that they will go out and our feet shall not dash against a stone. And you, Lord, we you take us under the shadow of your wings. So we come under the shadow of the wings of our Heavenly Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. 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 And um, we just also want to thank everybody who came here live <laughs> to surprise Dr. David. <laughs> thank Ruthie and everybody. And K Ross. And There is a doctor in the house. There's a doctor in the house. I've got I've got a request. If I've been a blessing to you over the years or just recently come across our videos and I've been a blessing as a graduation gift this is what I would ask for from you that because my life was changed behind bars because somebody sent me the trusty 66 books of the Bible the B-I-B-L-E the basic instructions before leaving earth and I was transformed in a prison cell with God, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, Jesus showed up. I ask that you would pay it forward for my graduation gift by giving a Bible that would go into a prisoner's hand. This year we're probably going to finish up probably around a thousand Bibles that we will have sent into the prisoners this year through Heart of America Prison Ministries, heartprisonministries.org. Heart H-E-A-R-T, heartprisonministries.org. And you can donate or partner for a Bible a month. It cost us about $30 to get a, a bonded leather bound or an imitation leather or even a leather bound. It just depends on what we get on closeouts. They retail for about $50 to $80. And we're able to get them for about $20 for all costs and about $8 to $10 in shipping, handling, packing, and tacos or pizza that we graciously and extravagantly pay our volunteers. Many hands make light work. And so we've been doing this since 1994, so that's really about 28 years helping change lives one Bible at a time, heartprisonministries.org. So if you would give me a graduation gift by giving somebody you don't know 
a Bible through Heart of America Prison Ministries, I know where the money goes with this ministry. Mm -hmm. And I know because I'm the one that gets to click the mouse and purchase those Bibles, and I'm the one that gets them and brings them up to the ministry center, at least at this time. I'd love to have some help. Um, and then we get to see the testimonials of prisoners that are in prison now, but they were like me who was in prison 32 years ago when Jesus showed up in that prison cell. So I encourage you, if you do that for me, that would be a gift of honor. And in heaven, we'll see the one that we both helped affect because of what I had the liberty to share and what you had the liberty to connect with. Amen? Amen. You can send a ministry gift for our anniversary to our virtualchurchmedia.com. Right. <laughs> we need a vacation. <laughs> we, we actually do need a vacation. So, but I just want to say how proud I am of my husband, David. He has worked so hard these last year to get his doctors and his masters and came out under an incredible amount of warfare. And <laughs> we stood on the word of God and um, and I'm so grateful that God brought me the man of my dreams. And if you're single tonight, I want to encourage you. Pray for them. Yeah, I'm gonna it pray. It pays for you. to wait. It pays to wait. And if you're already married, you're with the right one. Okay, so we're not saying that. But if you're not married, <laughs> Wait, those that wait upon the Lord, He renews their strength, He renews everything. I was single and celibate 25 years, Joanna single and celibate 16 years, and people thought she was crazy, she'd never find the right guy, her standards were too high, they thought I was, you know, I'd been tampered with in prison, was probably gay, but when we got together, they're like, oh my God, it pays to wait, because God's presence will distinguish you. And my wife, I'm so proud of her, she just handed off her national pageant crown that she carried for three years, and... Help change lives one crowning at a time as she released identity mm -hmm. into women's life and the love of God. And so we actually graduated the same day in different cities. Yeah. And we didn't pick those dates, but I was able to graduate in the morning, hop a plane, fly to help celebrate seeing her crown the new queen. And so she's also a Proverbs 62 wife. Double portion Proverbs 31. More beautiful on the inside than the outside, and not difficult on the eyes. It pays to wait. So God will give you if you wait upon the Lord. Good, better, and best. Good is the enemy of better, better is the enemy of best. It pays to wait for the best, the 30, 60, 100 fold harvest. So. Anyway, right. And not come into agreement because the enemy will try to come and lie to you and say, oh, good ones are taken. Oh, look how long you've been single. You're never going to find somebody. And those are lies. And so when we come into agreement with those lies, we then pick up a negative energy about us. And the light of God doesn't shine, right? Because we're believing the light. So we're like this instead of, if you believe, oh, God has men of God for me and he's going to love me like nobody's loved me. <laughs> Or you're gonna, or you're like, oh, all the good guys are taken. Well, what's a guy gonna be attracted to? This or this, right? <laughs> and so I just pray for all of you who are single right now, and I just ask now, Lord God, that you help them to seek you with all their heart, because above you, if we don't have that relationship with you, that intimacy with you, to know you as a King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, 
We're not going to have that in the marriage. So, and we're not going to attract a spouse that does. So, Lord, help us now to seek you with all our heart, to have your brilliance shine and exude from out of us, Lord God. And I pray now for anyone that's been struggling with hope deferred of being single. I break it off right now. I break off hope deferred in the name of Jesus. And now I release hope. Hope that God does have someone. A desire and she, fulfilled. That's right. A desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And so we declare that word over you tonight. The desire fulfilled is a tree of life within you in the name of Jesus. And so I thank you now, Lord God, for showing them, highlighting to them those deeper wells within them and with you, Lord. In Jesus' name. I need to pray one more thing for men that have been waiting upon the Lord. If you want to be free from the counterfeit, God's going to set you free right now. The spirit of pornography, in the name of Jesus, if you declare this thing your enemy instead of your counterfeit buddy or friend, I come against the spirit of rejection that would cause you to go to visual depictions and images where you can't be rejected, where it's safe. I break the power of rejection and I pull that thing down out of your life. Every plant that's not been planted by my Heavenly Father should be rooted up right now. There you got free. This got free. You got free. You got free. You got free. You got free. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Wait a year. Wait upon the Lord like Esther did in the book of Esther, she waited on the Lord and God gave her a king as a husband amongst all the other women. God gave her a king as a husband. God wants to raise you up as a King Lemuel. So you can have a Proverbs 31 or a Proverbs 62 double portion wife. Consecrate yourself unto the Lord and he'll sanctify you and he'll recreating your brain different neural pathways he'll cleanse your mind by the blood of the lamb he'll give you a clean mind new striations in your brain new pathways new thinking patterns put off the old nature put on the new which is renewed in the knowledge of him with theology and neology in his presence He's setting you free, and today's a new beginning because you're no longer rejected because in the timeline, the Lord has set you free from betrayal and rejection and uncreated it out of your life, and you are accepted in the Holy One. He loves you just the way you are, but He loves you way too much to leave you in this current condition. Will you journey with Him? Email us at info at virtualchurchmedia. Info at virtualchurchmedia.com will electronically send you back some materials at no cost to help you grow in the Lord. Because you might have been on your jet ride to hell, but God will put you on your journey to freedom. I'm David. This is my lovely wife. Joanna. We are the Hair Obedience. We love you. Virtual Church Media. And we'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless you.